0: Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world today. This is David Robert for the Marketplace of Ideas podcast. I hope you're having a great day today. Today is March the 20th, 2022, and we are coming to you live from the basement studio here in Alberta. Hope everyone's having a great time. Just want to let you know that before we get started, wherever you are on you could find the Marketplace of Ideas podcast. We're talking from Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, um, Podbean—you name it, we're there. So look for us there and download the Marketplace of Ideas podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Now today is going to be a special, somewhat interesting um, discussion. We're going to be talking about something—something uh, something about the past, actually. Um, this this took place. For me, a few days ago, I was at my parents' place, just rooting through some old boxes that my brother had in the basement, and I came across some some hits from the past, some, uh, some nostalgia that was very, very um, potent and ever-present in my life as a child. And so, what we're going to be talking about today are the things we leave behind, uh, the nostalgia bug, as it were. It's very... So as we, we're, we're discussing this in 2022, pop culture is a wash with the drug of nostalgia, if you will. We have everything from video game consoles coming back from Nintendo to Sega Genesis to um, PlayStation 1. We have in the, in the movie theaters right now, most of the movies that are out are various IPs from different different timelines in the 80s. We had uh, Spider-Man, the Batman uh, right now. What else do we have coming out? Uh, Jurassic Park will be out shortly. We have uh, the second Sonic the Hedgehog movie that's dropping. So we have a lot of IPs that are very nostalgic in their 20 to 30 year run. Now to be fair, Spider-Man and Batman have been in the theaters pretty, pretty regularly for the last 20 to 30 years. But um, films like Son of the Hedgehog and others like it are touching that nostalgic sort of uh, sweet spot for a lot of people my age and a little bit younger. So if you were born in the late, late 70s and you're raised in the 80s and 90s, you would be right around the age of where a lot of pop culture movies as well as TV and, video and TV as well as um, just pop culture in general are trying to kind of... Um, Attach themselves to, and so, anyways, I was was in the basement of my parents' place, and I was checking out some stuff, and I came across stuff. And and granted, my parents never throw anything out, neither does my brother. So we had stuff there from when we were kids. I mean, from my brother's, um, his report cards were there. Um, There were things that I hadn't seen in decades. I came across old hip hop magazines, from Double Extra Large to the Source. I came across. Um, some comic books, some graphic novels. I came across some children's books I had as a kid. And most importantly, I came across our original OG Nintendo Entertainment System. So this is the one that uh, my brother and I bought with our newspaper money back in the 90s, I think 91 or 92. And we got with it the Zapper, two controllers, and the... Super Mario Brothers and the shoot duck hunt game, basically with the with the zapper gun, and then we went on to buy some other games. And back in the day, it wasn't like it is now. When I say back in the day, I mean so let's say in the late the mid to late nineties when the NES craze had sort of died down, and we were starting to get Super, uh, Super Nintendo. We were starting to get um, Nintendo sixty four. We started to hear rumblings about PlayStation, as well as. Um, a few more years until Xbox would drop, but it was always the next best thing. So if it wasn't Sega, it was Sega Genesis, Sega Saturn. If it wasn't Nintendo, it was Nintendo 64, it was Super Nintendo, uh, GameCube, the Wii, so on and so forth. So it was always a bigger, better deal. And the crazy thing is, man, when I went downstairs and I was watching, just listening, just look through, through all these boxes and just getting a whiff of all this stuff because it it, it has a smell to it. I don't know if you've um, unpacked uh, an old school Nintendo or Sega Genesis or like an old CD. I even found some old CDs actually down there or books or anything like that. There's a weight to it when you pick them up and you feel them and you, you just start reminiscing. You remember what it was like when you had these things in your possession and you didn't have the responsibilities of children or a mortgage or a significant other or a job. You didn't have to worry about your retirement. There was no thought of what you were going to do to fix your house. Oh, man, I have all these repairs to do and I got to fix my car and, you know, I got to balance the budget. There was just, you weren't awash with every and any type of thing that you needed to do to maintain yourself as an adult. You're literally, you're lit. If you were, if you're fortunate enough to have, a, a, you know, a stable household with, you know, a roof over your head and food to eat and clothes, clothes on your back, and there was no abuse or, or, or issues with where you were going to stay, then you were very, very fortunate. And on top of that, if you had parents that maybe had a little bit extra cash laying around that you could, you know, they might throw it your way for your birthday or Christmas to get yourself a, a gaming system or maybe some comic books or toys or anything like that. There was a feeling of it's not going to get better than this. Now, obviously, it's nice to have uh, the ability to buy whatever you want, and to uh, you know go to bed when you want, and take care of yourself. Oh, excuse me, and be, be an adult, you know. But for a lot of us coming up, that idea of not having to worry about stuff and not having to be concerned about You know, just buying groceries or putting gas in your car or the cost of inflation or, you know, what are you going to do with your extra, you know, um, tax money or whatever the case was. It was just wake up, go to school, not get in trouble and just be a kid. Just literally have the freedom just to just to be free. And I think out of all of the aspects of the nostalgia cycle, that twenty to thirty year cycle of toys and video games and that glut of just movie 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 love and movie extravag just the just the spectacle of everything. I mean, picture this if you would. From the nineteen nineteen eighty to, to, to the year two thousand, you had everything from Jurassic Park, the mask, um, you had um, oh, my gosh, what else? You had TV shows such as He-Man, and Batman, and Super Friends, and Teddy Ruxpin, and Sesame Street, and the Get-Along Gang, and Pound Puppies, and G.I. Joe, and Jim, Transformers, Visionaries. You had WWF Wrestling. Uh, you had the old school um, Stampede Wrestling, right? You had all of the uh, you know, Spider-Man, and Batman, the DC, and the Marvel Universe. You had Disney, everything from The Lion King. Right to, to all of these great shows, and then on top of that, if you were into music, you had you know the golden age of hip hop, Wu Tang, and Mob Deep, and Biggie Smalls, and Pac, and and just this this tidal wave of amazing storytelling from movies and groundbreaking music coming from artists in these genres of rock and rap and and pop music. It was it was one of the most Insane times to be alive when it came to pop culture, when it came to anything regarding film, television, movies, cinema, cartoons, science fiction, horror, fantasy. I mean, you had Teddy Ruxpin, you had, I already said him, sorry, but you had Freddy Krueger, you had Jason, you had Nightmare on Elm Street, you had Chucky, you had um, Raiders of the Lost Ark, you had, if I'm not mistaken, what else did we have, um gosh, just so much, so many things to name, and because of that, there's this feeling of looking back and seeing things not as they actually were, but as we kind of want them to be, because there was so little, I guess you could say responsibility, there was so little aspect of your life that had to be taken up by following a certain certain pattern, if you would, you didn't have to worry about waking up to pay the bills, or worry about, anything other than yourself and it was a very very selfish self-centered time in your life now again if you're if you're blessed enough not to have to really grow up before your time and have to worry about that kind of thing then it was wonderful and so in, in looking at that i just i saw this article it was really interesting talking about um nintendo in particular because after finding that nintendo the original one i started thinking oh my gosh like this is amazing so just see here. I got it right here. Nostalgia. Okay, here we go. Mm-hmm. So, this is the Super Jump magazine. And this was written. This was written. This was written on August 24th, 2019 by Jared McCarty so this was published on medium actually so um, oh wait hold on no that's not it (laughs) wait hold on a second there we go sorry about that okay so this is um, this was nintendo capitalizing on nostalgia by todd winning july 14th 2020 so nostalgia is delicate but potent madman Nintendo kindles warm childhood memories of playing Super Mario Bros. and Zelda with friends in the 1980s. Growing up, I was a certified Nintendo fanatic. I had the t-shirt, the cereal, the magazine, and even wrote to Nintendo suggesting games they might develop. Despite my early passion for Nintendo, as an adult, I never considered Nintendo... ...Investability because the business seemed too um, cyclical. Even when Nintendo landed a hit console, such as the Wii or DS, it would have a few good years, and then the hardware would fade into obscurity. Developers would lose interest in the consoles, and Nintendo would start over again. Nintendo's historical stock price chart reflects the boom-bust cycle, so they showed a chart here from Bloomberg in July 6, 2020. Ultimately, Nintendo seemed unwilling or unable to steadily monetize its unique intellectual property. We'll get into the IP in just a moment. This opinion has channeled was, channeled, sorry, was challenged after reading Ryan O'Connor's April 19 Crossroads Capital Investor Letter. Over the course, course of nearly 70 pages, Ryan made the case for why this time is different at Nintendo. If nothing else, the letter had led me to reexamine my assumptions and consider some new dynamics. A key point to consider, for example, is that Nintendo owns some of its most valuable media, not just video games. Franchises. Franchises in the world. Pokémon. Nintendo owns the trademark and is part owner of the Pokémon company has generated more revenue, estimated 95 billion between books, films, video games, merchandise, etc., than any other media franchise, including Mickey Mouse and friends, Star Wars and Winnie the Pooh. Good lord. Mario is also an elite franchise with an estimated $38 billion in franchise sales. It also happens to be the best-selling video game franchise of all time. Additionally, Nintendo's Wii, Donkey Kong, and Zelda franchises have each generated more than $4 billion in revenue. It's clear that Nintendo has a lot of potential to lever- leverage its valuable IP. But as we discussed in the earlier post, what's important for an investment standpoint is product. Relevance, not just recognition. Recogniz- Recognizability. That's a word. It is a word. Oh my gosh. It's nice that Nintendo's characters are globally recognizable, but unless Nintendo makes games that are relevant to today's gamers, it won't translate into profitable growth. One reason we see Nintendo will remain relevant for future generations is that its games are intrinsically family friendly and fun. PlayStation and Xbox, the other two major console makers primarily feature intense, often violent games with incredibly with incredible graphics and audio. If you're a non-gamer, watch some gameplay of Grand Theft Auto or The Last of Us Part 2 and you'll see what I mean. Think about how Pixar films thrive with family audiences. They aren't winning Oscars for Best Picture every year. These are typically reserved for dramatic films, created for adult audiences. But families adore Pixar films, which have had massive box office success. Both types of film movies can, can thrive with different audiences. Similarly, Nintendo doesn't have to compete with PS and Xbox on graphics and audio, they just need to be technologically advanced enough to attract game developers and keep gamers interested. Instead, Nintendo is in a unique position to provide a fun gaming experience for families that is still fresh and and enjoyable to play. To illustrate Nintendo's 2017 release of Zelda Breath of the Wild, is considered one of the best video games of all time. It is visually stunning and has a dramatic narrative, but it is also suitable for gamers age 10 and up. When I was a kid, adults thought video games were rotten our brains and a general waste of time. Uh, There was a far side comic satire from the 1990s which captures this sentiment it turns out that the comic was just ahead of its time gamers are not only getting paid today but parents are increasingly playing video games with their kids (coughs) as the following chart shows us parents are increasingly playing games with their kids on a weekly basis a trend that only began to accelerate in recent years nintendo was in a prime position to own this trend part of the reason for this trend is that the cohort that grew up with the video games is now in prime household formation years, and many of them are raising young children themselves. Just like boomers shared their favorite TV shows (coughs) and movies with their children, Generation X and Millennial Parents are sharing video games. It's a trend we expect to get stronger with time. Mario and Zelda, like Mickey Mouse and Luke Skywalker before them, will get passed down through generations. Nintendo had not been able to capitalize on its nostalgia advantages simply because not enough time had passed. In other words, it had passionate fans who were not old enough to pass down their love of Nintendo to the next generation. The window of opportunity to capitalize on Nintendo's nostalgic driven IP is only just opening. As a chart shows here uh, below, which you can't see, unfortunately, uh, illustrates the peak of the millennial generation turns 30 this year, and since the cohort has deferred having children relative to past generations, the number of millennial parents will rise significantly years to come source Dowell Myers of peak millennials three reinforced reinforcing cycles that amplify the rise and fall of urban concentration by millennials evidence of nintendo's potential for family gaming is, was seen during quarantine when due to a combination of limited supply and a spike in demand there was a run on nintendo switch consoles switch was considered an essential for families during quarantine and units were being sold in the aftermarket aftermarket for more than 50% premium at a a list price of $199 for a switch light and $299 for a switch. In addition, during quarantine, educators use the hit game Animal Crossing New Horizons to connect with young people. Around the world, Monetary, Monetary Bay Aquarium in California and the Field Museum of Chicago, for example, put on virtual tours in Animal Crossing to teach viewers about science and natural history. This reinforced our belief that Switch is considered a safe video game platform through which families can engage in gaming and learning and have wholesome interactions with others. So, as we see here, um, they said importantly, Nintendo's IP is supported by rich narratives that draw gamers back to each franchise iteration. This self serves as a competitive advantage in an increasingly competitive video game space that includes not just consoles, but PC and mobile games. Thousands of games are published each year, but only a few are legitimate hits. Consider Amazon's recent release of its first original game, Crucible. Despite the backing of one of the most valuable companies in the world with millions of Prime members, the game is By all accounts a flop, at its launch peak the game had just 10,600 participants. By comparison, all Nintendo must do is release a Mario or Zelda branded game and it instantly has has millions of unit sales. The mobile game Mario Kart Tour for example had 123.9 million downloads in the first month. Put another way, Nintendo's narrative advantage provides greater probability for success and gives its first-party developers more freedom to be creative without worrying about commercial disasters. Furthermore, Nintendo doesn't have to aggressively market new first-party titles. Gamers know what to expect when they buy something made by Nintendo. In short, it will be fun and familiar. So, uh, this article goes on and on. But you kinda get the gist of what is what is what's being said here. Companies like Nintendo, companies like Sega Genesis, companies like or IPs like He-Man, Masters of the Universe, GI Joe, Transformers, Jim, Care Bears, Pound Puppies, you name it, all have a an un a very unique advantage is because they they got there first to the group of people now that are in the prime household purchasing age where they are the ones spending the money and if you let's say are in a in a position I'm not saying this is for everybody but if you're in a position where let's say you you know your life didn't turn out exactly the way you thought it would let's just say that and let's just say that your dreams of becoming a professional athlete or a ballerina or an astronaut or something great filled with you know um, accolades and ticker tape parades and all that kind of stuff Didn't happen. All right, cool. You can still hearken back to your youth when those things were still possible, right? When that thing that was welcoming, that was loving, that gave you a sense of adventure, that gave you an idea of what could be possible is still there. And we want to tap back into that. And we see studios doing that with movies that are being rebooted and rehashed from Ghostbusters Afterlife to um you know any anything to do with Star Wars in the last couple of years to the last spider man movie that just came out we 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 are in the the deep throes of what I would definitely call a nostalgia Renaissance if you would and all the things that were 20 30 years old are things that we want to harken back to because they make us feel a certain type of way uh, in, in, in Terms it makes us feel safe, it makes us feel warm, it makes us feel happy. Which and it, it it's a double-edged sword because on the one hand you could say, look, this is great that you want to remember what was and think about what used to be a part of your life, and it can be a little bit dangerous because if you're living in the past or like they say, if you're trying to drive a car, looking at the rearview mirror, you're gonna crash. There's something really awesome and fun about moving forward into the future. There's a group of friends that I, I have, uh, some some have moved on, some are still around, but we used to get together all the time, like 15, 20, almost 20 years ago, and, and so much has changed in the lives of everybody in that group, and even some of the extended people I know from that group, and if we were still doing the same thing, still living in our parents' basement, still, you know, hanging out. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, it would kind of be pathetic. You know, nobody getting married, nobody moving out, nobody starting a business or a, or a career or having children or traveling. There is something to be said about living, looking back and having fond memories and enjoying it, but there's something also great about moving forward and creating something new and different. You know, and, and so I wonder personally what's going to happen. You know if this in the next 10-15 years all we are is is looking back we're not creating anything new you know we're not actually diving into different aspects of of gaming we're not trying to create uh, new memories that we can then pass on to um, our grandkids or whatever the case might be you know it's just—it's an interesting um, food for thought that when I was in my parents' basement, I, I saw all this stuff. I started thinking about it, and so as we speak, I'm ordering um, some stuff from Amazon as well as um, hitting up some of the the. Uh, the shops here in town to get some retro adapters and stuff so I can show my kids these games that I played when I was a kid but uh, also looking forward to showing them stuff that's new and and stuff that I didn't grow up with you know. and hopefully in doing so you kind of get the best of both worlds but nostalgia is a crazy thing and if you can kind of dip back into it for just a little bit to kind of get that feel it's something that's really uh, it's really neat it's really interesting and, and just just to see how far things have come you know as far as gaming systems as far as uh, technology and films and everything else it's just really cool so so hopefully this is something that resonates with you and you know it's it's something that if you are out there thinking of, of stuff from the past, you know there's nothing wrong with checking it out. You don't want to live there, obviously, but to to have have a a little blast from the past is always is always fun, you know. So hopefully this was a episode that uh, you know, resonated with you and that you were able to enjoy. But until next time, be good to each other out there. Until next time, take care.